following is an R.E.D. Podcast Network production, bringing on-demand geek audio straight to your eardrums one podcast at a time. To listen to more great geek audio podcasts, check out the R.E.D. Podcast Network at redpodcastnetwork.com, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Ladies, gentlemen, clowns, penguins, villains, and would-be heroes of Gotham, welcome back to the Gotham City Podcast, episode number four. My name is Ian, I'm your host, and yes, that accent is an Irish one. Every Tuesday on the podcast, we'll review the episode of Gotham from the night before, talk about the characters we meet, where they come from, their part in this new reimagining of the world of Batman, and any other news relating to the show as the season progresses. Ladies and gents, it has been some time since we've been able to grace your eardrums, giving you some great aural. That's right, I said it and I just rubbed it straight from Kevin Smith about Gotham, the new Fox TV show about to premiere in less than a week in the US. And it is an exciting time. Right now, the world is abuzz with stories about Batman, with news coming out on a regular basis about the new movie that's being done. It's just going to be like Batman versus Superman, Superman versus Batman, depending on which way you want to take it. And new images coming out, and this show is not going to deal with that. This show is not going to talk about the latest goings on in the latest comic books that are coming out, or the latest stories in the comics from Marvel. It's not going to deal with that. It might touch on parts of it where it's relevant, and it's relevant to the episodes and the storyline that's going on in the Gotham TV show. But it's also not going to try and overburden people with information about the Batman universe. You know, recently the uh, podcast here was actually reviewed by Josh and Joel, who do a Pod on Pod podcast. And I want to thank the guys for taking the time to listen to my episodes of the show that I've done so far. I do realize there's been a huge gap since the very last one that was done. But I felt that, you know what, there's an awful lot of people who are filling air time for these things. And you know what, it's filler, and I didn't want to put out episodes of the show where, where there was filler, where it was going back and reviewing old stuff and talking about it. I prefer to get into it just before the TV show launches. So, you know, people are able to get into it fresh and they're not feeling overburdened with information. And guys, just for the record, I'm Irish, I'm not from the UK. We're teensy bit picky about that in these parts, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, I sure as heck appreciate the fact that you took the time to go and listen to episodes of the show, review the episodes I've done for content and for the technical side of things. And yeah, you're right, I do solo host, and I utterly love Batman. And the mission of this podcast, not just for for Josh and Joel who actually reviewed the show, but for anyone who listens to it is, I actually want to try and bring as many people to the Batman universe as I can through Gotham, and without leaving people behind or slowing people down who are already familiar with the universe. As far as I'm concerned, Batman is for everyone, and this is something, you know, that it should be a sort of a very, very community thing. And I don't think you should have a TV show like Gotham where you are actually going to overburden people with information to give them backstory, to bring them up to date, where you lose pacing in the story and I don't believe they're going to do that. I think they're going to try and do it in an organic way from what we've seen so far which I think is going to be a very very nice thing because too often with these kind of TV shows the problem is the story just gets overly burdened and lumbered with 
so much back information that none of it feels like it's being disclosed to you or in an organic way. It feels like you're not learning at the same pace as people in the story and therefore you don't connect to it because what happens is either number one, you're at a point where you know way too much and know way more than the characters do, so in which case you a sense of boredom drops in. And number or number two, the worst part of it is where you're already so far ahead of the characters that the characters are just they're never getting there and they're constantly being burdened and trying to show you this, which gives you that thing of guys you're so right to point this out. Can we get there already? Can we get there already? And I don't think it's going to do that, which is a really, really cool thing. Now the one thing with this podcast is some of the episodes of the show I'm going to try and do with some very, very easy get-to-grips information on characters for people who aren't familiar with some of the reoccurring faces and names from the Batman universe. But I'm not going to try and bog it down in in history, in, in, in origination, and, and all the rest of that good stuff. There's plenty of brilliant online resources for that. And I'm not trying to replace them. I'm trying to be an accompaniment to a... TV show which is which I hope is going to be wonderfully entertaining and we do hope as, as Batman fans those of us who are very familiar and have a lifetime invested in this universe that it will be entertaining it is going to be a drama show so again we're hoping that it, the stakes there are actually going to help raise it now let's get into the news and we're not going to catch up on all the news in the intervening period that I missed out on episodes of the show because that's just boring and people have got things like Reddit and again if you haven't actually checked out the Gotham Reddit you should do so reddit.com forward slash or forward slash Gotham Reddit is like a giant sort of community forum where links to stories and and information about topics can be compiled into one very very easy to find sort of thread and uh, I highly encourage people to use Reddit you know as much We've got Twitters, Facebooks, and the rest of it. Reddit hasn't gone away, and it still has a huge amount of relevance. So let's catch up on sort of news from the last week or so, which I think is pretty fair, pretty reasonable to get into. Netflix, it's come to light, has actually bought the rights to the Gotham TV show before it's even aired. And there, you know, anyone who's been following Netflix at the moment, they know that they've been on this massive buying spree. I think with the blacklist, they're, they're shelling out something like about two million US dollars per episode uh, for that to actually be able to air it. They did a huge deal with Marvel last in the last year for uh, a number of exclusive TV shows as well. Don't forget Orange. Is the new black the deal that they also did for things like um, the uh, the finale season of Breaking Bad? Um, they did a phenomenal job on that as well in terms of being able to uh, get that going. So they've been on this really aggressive buying spree, and you know it's not a case that you're going to see Gotham running side by side on Netflix at what's going on on Fox. What's actually going to happen here is that at the end of the first season. Uh, you Netflix will then begin to air the first season on its platforms. And as far as I'm aware, this only extends to the US so far. I don't think it's gonna we're gonna see this in the Irish Netflix uh, or the UK Netflix, which is again because there's different markets and you need to remember that in the UK, for example, uh, Gotham there's an agreement there with Channel 5 in the UK so any deal that they want to do with Netflix UK to show it they'd actually nearly I think almost have to get consent of the other people who would be airing that TV show in that market and it's pretty similar to the model that they'd have to operate with an awful lot of other people as well and this is why we get this parody of content in terms of Netflix in the US and Netflix in the UK for those who are in Europe and Ireland and the UK who are listening to this podcast um but it will be very, very interesting to actually see that. 
And I'm excited the fact that these things are going to be on Netflix. Um, because, you know, it just shows that no matter what way you want to do a presentation of Batman, you know, there is a Batman out there for everyone. There is a form and flavor of Batman that's out there for everyone. And that is hugely exciting. It is one of the most iconic characters in the world. You know, some people would say, well, you know, I'd argue that the Superman character is more iconic. I, you know, it might, that I, there is a possibility you could say it's a matter of personal opinion. For me, I don't think it is. I think Batman has just been so pervasive and it comes down to something which I think most people who are familiar with the character can identify something in. You know, something where something so traumatic happens and someone feeling a a, a sense of uh, helplessness where they try to latch on to one thing which they can they, for them gives them hope and makes them feel like they can put them on the path to redemption and again I think it's a pretty universal feeling and a universal thing people find it very very easy to get to grips with I mean let's face it Gotham is not really a city for nice guys you have a little danger in your eye I wonder what you plan to do with that you'll have to wait and see James Gordon is not a good guy. He's the most honest man I've ever met. Bruce, I promise you, I will find the man who did this. This is not a city for nice guys. You understand? No. I utterly love those promos for Gotham again. I think they have been very clever in the construction of an awful lot of these promos. A lot of people for the Nolan Batman universe and the Nolanverse movies. Um, I think that's a really cool way to put Nolanverse. Uh, the Hans Zimmer soundtracks for them, I think, it struck an awful lot of people. And I think they drove people's engagement with those uh, that franchise of movies an awful lot more than say Danny Elfman's contribution I mean Danny Elfman's contribution to Batman is iconic um, but at the same time you need to remember Danny Elfman and uh, Tim Burton go hand in hand together they've worked on so many projects together I think just the Zimmer one brought people into it and it felt more evocative and again if you even think about the Superman movie that was done there Man of Steel again same kind of deal as well. The music was uh, sort of this wonderful hybrid and it brought people an awful lot more into the story uh, because it complemented the the tempo and the pacing and, and what was actually going on on screen. So I think these have actually, the music in these sort of little promo pieces has actually helped that an awful lot. Now, in talking about TV shows and promo pieces and everything else, the TV Critics Association has actually recently dubbed Gotham the most promised new show and... The most promising new drama. You know, people might realise this, but Gotham is actually a drama series. And especially when you sort of take the focus of the story, you're focusing around the world of Batman. But again, you're not going to see Batman appearing in a suit. I mean, myself and people like Kevin Smith, who has a far more successful podcast on Batman called Fat Man on Batman, which is on his Smodcast Network. And again, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I wholeheartedly recommend people who want to learn more about Batman or who have a love of Batman but want to delve further into the universe, go and check it out. Kev has been an amazing ambassador for Batman um, for the last number of years uh, as he's sort of and he's focused more on this and the podcast again is just wonderful interviews of people like Neil Adams uh, who is one of the artists and writers on Batman and still does people like Grant Morrison who for me is actually one of my favorite all-time writers on Batman um, I, I have uh, 
all the time in the world and I'm passionate about Grant Morrison and what he's what he's contributed to it. He'd have people like Paul Dini on again. Anyone who had any kind of love in the nineties growing up for the Batman animated series, Paul Dini has appeared on Kev's show multiple times and that guy gets a huge amount of kudos, especially for uh him and some of the others. I think it's Tim oh, I can't remember his name. Crap. It escapes me. But anyway, they introduced characters like Harley Quinn, a character who's become much beloved and has turned up in the video games as well. Uh, and has become like a real fan favourite and that was like an animated series character that turned up and again you need to remember that's hugely important a character from over 20 years ago created for like a kids cartoon show and I say kids cartoon show loosely it wasn't it was watched by an awful lot of adults as well Uh, and again it was because it was so wonderfully well written it was so nicely presented and it was gritty at the same time uh, without sort of being in your face about it they created a character that 20 years ago has now been sort of written into the main universe of, of Batman and here in Gotham we've got a character which has been created for the this uh, this universe that they're exploring or this part, this fragment of the Batman world, we've been the character of Fish Mooney, this is a brand new character so in 20 years time will we be looking at other iterations of Batman and seeing references back to Fish Mooney because it's been written into it it's very very interesting and exciting for people like myself who have so much invested in Batman and others who are being introduced to Batman through this TV series and finding an affinity with the character because they are understanding stories as opposed to just the cape and cowl thing which is the sort of central presentation that people have become familiar with. And that is going to be hugely, hugely important. So when you're looking at it that it's a drama, you're going to be, it's not going to be so much around a dude suiting up. It's not going to be so much around a vigilante hero protecting his city and trying to make a difference. What's happening here is this is before that. This is why Batman had to become Batman. The city just degrading and falling into chaos and corruption and criminality. And again, this is sort of hinted in the early part of the Nolanverse movies where things are so bad that Bruce goes away to find himself, takes part in criminality himself so he can understand the criminal mind and comes back to try and help heal his city and make things right in the city. And more importantly, there's a selfishness to Batman. It's making things right with himself in his own mind. Um, That he should have done more to protect his parents, but was unable to because he was weak and because he was afraid. Um, And again, you need to remember when things like the TV Critics Association come up and they say, such and such is the most promised new show and most promising new drama. Yes, it's exciting and it's great, especially if it's a show that uh, you're excited about, which is coming up and... Uh, and is about to premiere or if it's a show that you've already been watching and you've only just heard this information and you think great yes someone is plumping for my show because that's how we think of our tv shows when we invest time in them that they're our shows so which is why when they get cancelled or they do things we don't like people get very vociferous and vocal and take to forums and and threads and sending emails and tweeting and facebooking and all the rest of that good stuff but last year agents of shield actually also earned the accolade of most promising new show from the tv critics association but you know that show came with an awful lot of baggage an awful lot of burdens i mean let's not let's just take this just for one second lift it up and put it to one side okay so let's take apart marvel's agents of shield because this has actually got an awful lot of relevance to expectations around gotham when people first heard that marvel's agents of shield was going to be made into a tv show the expectations was metahumans superheroes from the world of the fantastic as stan lee has often put it 
And what we got was a story about some very, very ordinary people finding themselves in some very, very extraordinary situations that happened uh, uh, sort of in one of the orbiting parts of this world of the fantastic. There wasn't an awful lot of metahumans and superheroes, and the first like half of the season was incredibly bogged down and frustrated an awful lot of people who had wanted to watch the show and got excited by it because they were fans of the universe that Marvel had started to weave through the movies, through the Iron Man movies, the Captain America movies, the Thor movie. Uh, the Avengers movie, and this sort of like had you could see it in the TV numbers where they just started, they went up high and then they just started plummeting. The show was struggling, and then of course it being broken up by the Olympics and a variety of other sort of seasonal events as well really didn't help its momentum in trying to keep it going. Um, and I think Gotham has got, got a kind of an expectation set against it, which is kind of similar. And you know, once bitten, twice shy. That is the old saying which is said. So for this TV show, while I'm hugely excited, we're going to see a fragment of the Batman universe, which many of us have postulated about. We've talked about with our friends when we're sitting there reading through stories or watching episodes of the animated show or watching some of the direct-to-DVD animated movies or some of the movies or whatever it is. And we get in there and we start thinking about, okay, well, why is the Penguin the Penguin? What must he have been like to get him to that? Because one of the things which is hugely important about these characters is, and because it's a drama, it's going to be very character-focused, no one starts out in the world being a villain or being a hero. No one starts out in the world where their path leads directly to one or the other. What actually happens is the arrival at that juncture of being a hero and a villain is actually determined by um, what influences have happened to that character and what events have happened in their life. We are the sum of our experiences as human beings and it is the one of the most important and fundamental things about exploring any kind of character in any world, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show, a cartoon, even something as simple as wrestling. And I think wrestling is probably the purest way to actually go and look at the development of a character and the evolution of a character to whether they become a good guy, quote-unquote, or in wrestling terms, a babyface, or in... And again, in wrestling terms, become the bad guy, uh, or sometimes known as the heel. And, you know, the way that people become who they are is, it's quite simply broken down to, just look at the seven deadly sins. One of those seven is what eventually leads someone somewhere down the path to becoming the villain. And what leads people to becoming the good guy is a sense of right, and a sense of unwavering... um, Their moral compass doesn't allow them to deviate off the path for those seven deadly sins. For some reason, something in them doesn't allow them to break one of those effectively, so much so that it sends them on the path down the other way. And the sum of their experiences allows them to hold them as some ground truths for them to actually follow in their lives. And sometimes that means, even in the face of overwhelming odds, overwhelming desires to take an easy route that sometimes they will actually hold so steadfast to those beliefs and those core values that they have 
that they will never go down the other route. And then it may take something extraordinary. Everyone has a breaking point, and this is the wonderful thing about the evolution of someone who is essentially good becoming a villain at some point, um, where there is a breaking point in that person, and everyone's breaking point is different, everyone's arrival at that breaking point is different, everyone's uh, emergence from that breaking point is different, and this is why, as a drama, there's a great amount of scope for them to explore this, and not just throw us into the world where we discover a a penguin who is brutal and violent. We, we will understand why he has become this way. That there are villains in there who, they are not all the way black and white. There is about 40, 50, 60, 70 different shades of grey as to why they are the way they are. Um, I mean, there's a great example of this back in the day from The Sopranos, and I always love this. With It's a great example to help you understand the mindset of Tony Soprano. Um, Tony Soprano... There's a scene in one of the episodes, I think it's in the first or second series, where he is asked by someone as to why he engages with a gumad. I think it's when he's actually with his uh, shrink. Yeah, his guma is basically like a, a bit on the side or a female with who he is having an extramarital relationship and it's just a purely sexual relationship. And he is asked why he needs to go to a guma. The sexual favours that he seeks from his... his uh, his extramarital partner, why he cannot get those sexual favours from his wife. And he turns around and he goes, hey, that's the wife, my wife, the mother of my children. She kisses my children with that mouth. And again, so there's this wonderful dichotomy of Tony Soprano, who is this ultra-violent mafia gangster who has this sort of really weird sense of moral righteousness that he can't go and engage in these kind of behaviours with his wife because she uses her mouth to kiss his kids. Which is really weird, but again, it allows you to understand that there is not always a black and white. Sometimes there is a shade of grey, and there's shades of grey for a reason. Now, there does come a point at somewhere along the line where those shades of grey start to become less about shades and sort of blocks of black and grey. And then they will eventually sort of become where it is pretty much just one way or the other. And you get into the whole thing of the Darth Vader thing. And again, I'm using these as analogies because they're very easy people to get to grips with because they're very common ones where Darth Vader is the Dark Lord of the Sith. And there does come a point in in that storyline where there is a point of redemption for him, um, which, of course, is episode six. And again... These allow you to understand about where these characters will eventually need to go and where some of them will arrive to and why you might not always see uh, what your expectations are of these characters based on your um, your knowledge already or familiarity with people like Edward Nigma, with uh, Selina Kyle, uh, with Poison Ivy, with uh, Penguin, the Falcone family... Uh, Moroni's or any of these uh, so again I think that will help people understand it an awful lot and you need to remember last year when you talk about the most promising new show just to jump back into the thing about the TV Critics Association shows like The Blacklist, Ray Donovan they were shows that did exceptionally well last year and again they were dramas they were they were wonderfully woven stories with very c- complex characters who were in situations that weren't extraordinary but it required an examination of who they were as people and how those relationships that they had were affecting and directing their actions and their reactions to things again in dramas this is important you always have to take people on 
a roller coaster with a particular character and you need to think of it as a roller coaster so you're strapped in you're taking that first initial climb and it's a sort of a it's not incredibly steep you know it's just enough to sort of start you start making you feel like you're on the journey for the roller coaster it ticks you up and then you get to that first uh, dip that you're taking and it might be a big one it might be a little one but again it's taking you along the path where you've got that first incident that happens that first rush and then it will progress and take you on through these peaks and lulls and valleys in relation to it. And all great stories are actually told like this. And again, it doesn't matter about the medium. It doesn't matter about uh, what way you want to present it. Whether it's a movie, a TV show, whether it's a play, whether it's a book, whether it's a comic, uh, whether it's a radio drama, podcast drama, or even a wrestling match. You've got to take people on that journey and give them a way for them to stay with you on that journey and not feel like they're being excluded on it. So Because we all like the ending of a story we all like the satisfaction of that when we're engaged with a story that we feel like we're part of it there's a part of us invested in it that when we get to the end that the ending gives us the satisfaction for our investment at that time and that is what story what tv shows like the blacklist and ray donovan did successfully and it's what the agents of shield tv show failed to do up until the in the uh they started to weave in the Garrett storyline, uh, which Bill Paxton played an absolute blinder. And again, that was that car- that storyline only was able to be possible because that dude absolutely played that story and that character so well, and it helped convey and carry and carry that story. Um, so again, we have a huge amount to be excited about and look forward to. Now, the premiere party for Gotham actually took place in the last 24 hours in New York City Library, which apparently was transformed into looking like the set of Gotham, uh, the set of the Gotham TV show, police cars, the works. And, you know, stories originally reported by the New York Observer, and again, I'll put a link to the story in the side post. Uh, apparently, the pilot episode was also shown at the event. Um, and, you know, what the thing about Gotham is, Gotham is a wonderful, wonderful city. Or is it? But you know what? One of the problems with Gotham is there needs to be light. This is the point of no return. My name is James Gordon. I'm a detective. My name is Bruce Wayne. I promise you, I will find the man who did this. James Gordon is the most honest man I've ever met. Well, there will be chaos, rivers of blood in the streets. However dark and scary the world might be right now. There will be light. That's right, they will come for us all. Um, Again, I love their choice of music for an awful lot of these, and just the the way they've been framed. They're beautiful to watch. Uh, If you haven't already checked them out on the official Gotham's uh, TV show YouTube channel, you can check it out at youtube.com forward slash Gotham Fox. And there's a ton of them up there. They're really, really beautiful uh, in terms of how they're shot. And I love the choice of dialogue and scenes they've taken. And again, the music choice, again, exceptionally well done. Now, Progress on just a little bit more news. Gotham apparently is going to have a lesbian female detective. Well, a lesbian and a female go together. And this is according to a piece which is written on pinknews.co.uk. Apparently the show's co-executive producer Danny Cannon has said that he won't let out-of-date values from the original comic books stand in the way of diversity. Now, what that basically means is um, the comic books for and the universe which Batman was framed, you need to remember up to this year made it about 75 years old. So it is qu- it is a very, very old universe. The idea of sexual diversity 
or of um, racial diversity in these comic books and their origins is actually quite slim and quite remote and it is very very stereotypical and patriarchal and there are some people like Gail Simone who is an artist on Catwoman and, and has done like so much work in the comic universe that she would still argue that we still have an extremely patriarchal view in the comic book universes and to a, a large extent in fact a very large extent I'd actually agree with her on that too uh, but he has said, you know, this will be the first time that in a live-action Batman production that there's been an openly LGBT character. Um, and he said that, you know, that Gotham is beautiful, dark, dangerous, and romantic. It's the kind of cityscape you should look at and believe anything to happen, and that means everybody should exist there. There's no way on earth we should have a show like this limit itself with out-of-date values. So what's happened here is that actress Victoria Cartagena is actually taking on a recurring role and she's actually said, you know, growing up, I rarely saw people of colour or gay people depicted in a positive light. And I know when you don't see yourself reflected in the world around you, it does things to your self-esteem. I know if I'd seen a character like Renee on TV when I was younger, a Latina who's smart, powerful, strong, it would have encouraged me to dream bigger. So I know what she means to people. And if watching me means that I can help someone else feel included, that makes me feel very happy. And, you know, that's an incredibly powerful thing. And there are some people who've, in the past, where they've done things, like where they've taken the Green Lantern character and they've uh, changed the sexuality of that character um, that people have been like what are you doing you're messing with my characters blah 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 and you know at that point it's it, it just becomes like a, um, it, sh- it shows you the narrow mindedness of some people that there, can- that there has to be an absolute here um, or that somehow that it suddenly a a difference in in sexual orientation forms some form of deviancy in their mind and again it's not it's perfectly wonderful natural and normal and this is a normal part of our lives it's a normal part of humanity it's a normal part of of being people is that there are people with different sexual orientations that exists and why it shouldn't exist and why it shouldn't be represented in comic books or in these kind of stories is ludicrous it's a normal part of life. Let's the reason the Nolan Universe movies. Let's just step back from this thing just for one second. The reason the Nolan Universe movies actually worked so well was it framed Batman in terms of what the real world actually looks like. It made Batman feel less fantastic and more Jesus. That's a guy who is literally putting his body on the line. He's getting his ass beat and handed to him, and he's doing something extraordinary for some very, very extraordinary reasons, and he is a very ordinary person with flaws and all the rest of it. And and it, it, it allowed you to buy into that character a lot more, which is why I think so many people hold the Nolan movies in such esteem now, that they look back at things like the Joel Schumacher ones, or they look back at the Tim Burton ones and go, that wasn't Batman, this is Batman. And, you know, here's the funny thing. When those movies came out originally, especially when Tim Burton's first Batman movie came out, people actually looked at the old Batman TV shows, which has constantly been rerunning. It hasn't stopped. People don't believe this, but this has not stopped being re-shown somewhere in the world. It has constantly kept going. They've looked at that and gone, that's not Batman. This Tim Burton movie, this is what Batman's supposed to look like. And here's the funny thing. Tim Burton didn't give a shit about Batman. He didn't care about Batman. He didn't care about the comics or the original thing. In fact, Tim Burton 
was more interested in the Joker than he was in Batman. And when you again, that's only something you can say when you look back at it in retrospect, and you actually then can hear Tim's uh, opinions and thoughts on the source material when it's been put to him after the fact. Again, when you need to remember when Batman the movie first came out, there was no internet. Uh, there was no sharing of information. There wasn't the proliferation of things that we have right now. So it's a very framed in a very different period of time in our own uh, world, in our own history, in our own ability to engage in understanding and dissection and questioning of things. And again, so when you put it the, the terms of this, coming back into this story from Pink News then, you know, this is actually being framed in the real world. You're going to be looking at Gotham as not some mythical city, as not some far-flung uh, part of the world where the world of the fantastic and superheroes are. This is a very, very real world where there is very real crime, very real problems for the people who inhabit this city, and very real dangers that, that, that lay in wait for the people of this city. This is a city which is just on its way down to falling right the way down on its backside, and it's going to need something to pick itself up. And, you know, without being sort of cliche and sort of rolling back into the Michael Caine Alfred thing, you... Uh, or like the um, the Nolan verse Batman thing, where Thomas Wayne says to to Bruce, you know, why do we learn to fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. And again, uh, or why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves up. Again, that's what you are. You need to sort of bear in mind when you're talking about this. And if you listen to what Jada Pinkett Smith actually said when she was uh, asked about this, um, sort of about the inclusion of um, this character called Rene. Uh, she said that, you know what, it's a new day when we can have a show on television that's not afraid to explore various sexual orientations of women. Let's hope that this is a path toward even more change in regard to the perceptions of female sexuality, as well as our bodies in relation to sex. And again, it's a hugely important thing. Um, despite what people think, we still live in a hugely patriarchal world. We still live in a world where um, there is double standards in relation to male sexuality and female sexuality, how it's actually portrayed in TV, um, because an awful lot of TV execs are male. There is this huge sort of push towards making sure you satisfy the male demographic in relation to things like this, as opposed to understanding that, hey, over 50% of the population are there and can be spoken to as well, and we can and, and not treat them like they're being excluded from something really cool. And again, this is something that people like Gail Simone have actually been quite uh, vocal about. And again, I, I fully support this and understand it. So again, this is the thing that excites me. We're going to have all this exploration. We're going to have all these these characters. We're going to have them sort of laid bare on the table for us. And hopefully in a way that for people who aren't familiar with the characters, it won't scare them away. It won't make them feel like they have to go and do homework before they watch the show. Or after they watch the show. That they can enjoy the show for what it is. Which is an expose on what happens to people who are in a city, in an environment where hope is actually dying. And where... No questions are being asked about why criminality is rising, why corruption is rising, and why someone just can't take a stand. Why can't someone just exert some control to right the balance in this world? And again, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to go and see. And it's times like this when you think about what's going on in Gotham, do you know what? All it takes is just to have a hero. James Gordon. I'm a detective. What's your name? My name's Bruce Wayne. My man came out of the shadows. There is something you can do now. You 
You can be strong. However dark and scary the world might be right now, there will be light. There will be light. Bugs. I am hugely, hugely excited for this. I'm hugely excited to see the story of James Gordon unfold and the world unfold around him. We're so used to, when we're dealing with the world of Batman, to having Batman as the focal point of the world. And you know what? Batman is a result of something else that's happened in that world. And it's interesting to go and have a look at what that something else was, what happened in the intervening periods, how did it come to the point where Bruce Wayne felt he needed to be something more to do a lot more instead of just giving money to do things when you think about it, he's a rich guy he could have just funded money he could have just thrown loads of money at the problem but instead that wasn't enough and again it's so exciting and so wonderful and i really can't wait for next week for this first episode to get out there we can start talking about it and we can fans of the show and fans of the world can start sharing the information and taking apart the first episode and reading into things rightly or wrongly and getting into very heated discussions and heated discussions only come about because people are hugely passionate about um their perception and what they have invested their time their heart and their and and and, and their just their soul and being into and a lot of people with, with Batman don't seem to uh, or people who aren't familiar with Batman or aren't as big of fanatics as some of the people out there regarding Batman they don't understand that there are people out there who everything about Batman is analysed because it is, it's something which people find it very easy to identify with and they all have their loves of which iteration of Batman, which storyline of Batman um, particular episodes of the animated series or the TV show or or particular moments in the universe. And again, it, it just generates all this wonderful discussion, which I think is great. And in a time in the world where there is so much negativity right now, whenever we have these little things come up, which actually act as little pockets of positivity for people and excitement, and, and to take people away from those things, even if it's just for like an hour or two hours, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's the great thing about good stories. When good stories are told well and they're entertaining and engaging, they allow us to forget about our worries forget about what's going on around us in the world and allow us just that moment of enjoyment to take that break from reality which again hugely important so again folks next monday evening 8 p.m on fox 7 p.m central in the u.s make sure you go and join everyone for the world premiere of Gotham. There is going to be a hashtag going around, I'm sure, which is just going to be hashtag Gotham. Uh, you can follow the official uh, Twitter account at Gotham as well. Uh, and don't forget, for us, for ourselves, we're actually going to have um, our own hashtag going for this as part of the podcast, which is Hope, the number four, Gotham. Uh, and in terms of like uh, those of us in the UK or in Ireland, Channel 5 in the UK have the rights to this show. They still haven't fixed a premiere date for when the episodes are going. I am guessing this might be something to do with the contract with Fox where they can't actually set a date yet because they have to lag behind in terms of episodes. But the only thing they can confirm is that it will premiere sometime in October, which, you know, given that we are like three weeks away from, or two weeks away from October, doesn't fill me with an awful lot of hope in terms of their comfortableness and their excitedness around this. And I think they're kind of waiting to see what the reaction is going to be from the numbers on Monday. And don't forget, those numbers will probably be readjusted by the time to come in for things like uh, TV or catch-ups. 
again going to be hugely important Bat fans Gothamites I want to say thank you for once again lending us your ears for this episode of the Gotham City Podcast um, you know I appreciate the fact that people hit that download button hit the subscribe button uh, means a heck of a lot that you would actually give up some of your valuable in-ear time to this show we'll be back next week to have a look at the premiere episode of Gotham and we'll be shining another light into the darkness of Gotham which you can check out on iTunes and Stitcher Radio if you check it out on either of those platforms feel free to leave a rating or review because you know what it helps the show and it helps get us up the podcast charts as well and get us a little bit more love and more people following if you know people who are fans of the TV show and enjoy the episode and you're listening to this podcast, refer them to listen to the podcast, and maybe they'll tell two more people, and then that'll be pretty cool. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so by following at Gotham City Pod. We'll also, like I said, be using the hashtag Hope Number 4 Gotham. So you can also check out news on the podcast, and news and sort of thoughts and musings on the TV show up on the website, GothamCityPodcast.com. So until next week, folks, let there be light for Gotham. Sound of laughter, now resides.